So we are now, and I'm, I'm pausing because this is our, our final weekend of this, of this series. And, and uh, this, in this weekend, I've asked Team Brown, our Associate Pastors of Worship and Arts at Heritage, to speak. Now, some of you know the providential story about how the Browns came to work for Heritage. Uh, uh, basically, like almost everybody else, I tricked them. <laughs> do you know what I why, You know why that's funny and why I keep saying it? Why do you mean you tricked them? If I expose people to you, that's true. If I bring people and they meet you, it's over. That's the that's the truth. When they meet this house, they're like, "Well, that's it. I'm not going anywhere else." That's not me. They're not like they already they already met me. I'm like take it or leave it. But when they meet this house, they don't leave. So when I say I trick them, I just mean I get them, I just bring them to meet you. Let's, yes, let's keep tricking more people. You might, you might be able to trick some of your family, your neighbors. At Easter time, you might be able to trick some of your friends. Hey, just come. Let them meet the people around them. They'll be sunk. Suckers. <laughs> Suffice to say this, that like, like, the, like all the members of our team and many of you, it is the hand of the Lord that has brought us together. Yes. And uh, when it comes to Megan Aaron, you know, I, 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 I try to just kind of just give a quick summary of everybody, but these are, these are people that are 100% for Christ, 100% for His church, and 100% for people, for people. Um, I... I, I, I hesitate to just keep repeating this, and I, but I, it's so important to me that I, that I have opportunity to say it, that I, you know, when I want to talk about Meg, uh, Meg really is my favorite diva. <laughs> and she is. She's 100%. Like, I just love that she's my favorite diva. But I, and you say, well, how could you say that? That's because she is. She is. She, she loves to shine, and she loves the leopard print, and I'm married to one of those. And... Uh, <laughs> She loves all of the things, but if at the same time, if there were someone in a dumpster, Meg would be the first person to dive in after that, 100%. And that's just one of the reasons why, ooh, I just, I just love me some Team Brown. They are 100% for faith and miracles. They are 100% for family, and they are 100% for Team Heritage. They consistently bring their triple-A game with all of God's anointing and their excellence, and it is a pleasure for me to welcome Team Brown and First Pastor Aaron to my pulpit this morning. I think I flipped, I did, I flipped the right switch, good job. Good job, okay, that's, I'm already starting out good. Um, You know, Pastor Dave, I want to echo something you said in relation to kids. Um, if you've grown up in church, hopefully you know kids are pretty important to 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 the church. Um, the, it, it's it's a cliche to say, but it's true: is they are our future, but they're also our now. Um, in this house, we don't relegate our kids to just sit in the back in a cool space and just do their thing. Our kids pray for people to be healed, and they get healed. Okay. So, but I also want, just, just so you kind of understand my personal conviction about kids and why, if you have even, if you're sitting here and you even faintly feel this tug on your heart that you need to talk to Pastor Jess, is within, my, within our team, within the worship ministry, 
we prioritize our scheduling based on kids. Like I, I will, I will it, now pastor Jess is very good about having her schedules done. Uh, but if for some reason she didn't have a schedule done the right now, I would wait until her schedule is done before I schedule my team. We have people on, on the worship team that cross over. It is far more important to me that our children's ministries are, are staffed with, with good quality people than it is honestly for me to have a full platform of musicians because they matter. So take that for what it's worth. Um, first off, I, I, obviously I said this last night, it's in my notes and I'll say it again next service, but there's, there's no, there's no amount of times I can say this, that I feel like I will ever give enough weight to how grateful Meg and I are to be a part of this house and to be a part of your team, Dav. Um, you, you truly do just, there's an excellence in your leadership that goes far beyond just like the book knowledge of how to be a good leader. It's, it's not just you went to some classes and learned how to be a good leader. Like you've, you've learned that, but you've also learned in the trenches and you've gone through the things and it shows in your compassion and your love towards us. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've been around a little while in, in the church and, and, and even in leadership and, and working in the church. And I've, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of leaders both some really great ones and some not so great ones. Um, but hands down, Dav, there's nobody like you and, and your family and how you lead. So, yeah, it's, it's okay to honor them. Come on. Um, it was, I, I realized as I was uh, preparing my message that, that it, as of this last Tuesday, it's actually, it was seven years ago um, that in, in a little church, uh, Meg and I uh, got the opportunity to meet Pastor Dav and actually Pastor Jay. Um, unbeknownst to us, there was some some scheming going on on the front row, <laughs> as some of you might know. Um, but but what was unique to our experience with with Dav? Because I've I've come across individuals that it was very clear they had agendas in in conversation and, and relationship. Um, but in meeting Dav and Pastor Jay. Uh, there was no sense of agenda. We had absolutely no clue that, that there were any ideas or plans. Um, it was just a genuine connection of like, like we've known each other forever. Um, and it was a little over a year later after that that, um, that we had our first opportunity to come and meet you all. Um, it was a Yay God service, which is why Yay God service is one of my favorite services. Um, <laughs> But it was about a year later, and, and uh, we, we fell in love with this church. Um, we, had, we had been searching for a church like this church with the kind of people that we have here. Yes. And it's true that <clears throat> you have a nice body. <laughs> I can't. I just can't leave that one alone. Sorry. Okay, I digress. Uh, the, other, the other thing I want to say is it's, it's been fun for me uh, – the last few weeks getting to, to hear my, my team members uh, share their stories. Um, and while, while the, the stories themselves are, have been powerful and, and I, I know they've had an impact on this entire house, the thing that has stood out to me as just like a wow God is the uniqueness of our stories, the uniqueness of our backgrounds, and how truly the providence of God works on our behalf um, in that he has formed a team here that that is very well positioned um, to reach our reach our community yeah. and to reach our region and to reach our world. 
even more so, I think he's he's put together a team that that is uniquely positioned to be able to serve with our entire body to do the same. Um, it's I, I I would argue that that it's definitely the best team ever assembled, to the point that I I think the Avengers don't even have anything on us, right? Yeah, it's true. It's true. See, that's what I missed in my notes last night. I that was a good one, and I underlined it. I had, uh, so. <laughs> Um, I love you 3,000. I'm already emotional enough. Don't do that to me. Okay, let's get into it. Uh, by a show of hands, I, I'm gonna, I just need to do a little personal survey for myself. By a show of hands, how many of you are expecting the worship guy to speak on worship this morning? One, two, three. Wow, okay, pretty good. And those aren't pity hands either. Uh, okay, put your hands down. All joking aside, um, the truth is, it might come as, as a surprise to some of you, but uh, worship in and of itself is not my alabaster box. My alabaster box, though, is what has caused my passion for worship and many other things. Exodus 30, uh, chapter 33, verse 7 is where we're going to start scripture-wise this morning. But while you're getting there, get your Bibles out, get your apps out, come on. Don't come to church without a Bible. While, while you're getting there, I want to tell you a little bit about, about me, a little bit of my story. I was born and partially raised near Denver, Colorado. Go Broncos. Yep. Blue and orange. Uh, I say partially raised because uh, throughout my childhood, my family, we moved back and forth between Colorado and Oregon a handful of times. Um, We eventually moved to Oregon for good in 2000, and I've lived in the Pacific Northwest ever since. But until sixth grade, we we moved, it was was about every four years. Um, There were even a couple times where I think we moved in less than four years. Uh, there's a period while living in, in, in the Medford area, we moved up to the Portland area, and we were only there for about six months. It was, for me, I'm a little bit, if you don't know me, I'm a little bit like squirrel. So um, that, that moving, had a, that kind of moving around and stuff, it, it had an a, a effect on me. Um, it, it uh, yeah. Throughout that time, though, um, we also had some some what I would what I would consider abnormal living situations. Um, everything from living with grandparents. Uh, there's a period where where we lived with family friends, and even some times when we didn't, as a family, even all live under the same roof. Um, we also, on top of it all, I, I I would say we were we were definitely not well off. Um, I I was no stranger to hand me downs. Um, Despite all that, though, God, God was always faithful. We always had a house, a roof over our heads and food and all the, all the important things. But um, just to give you a little context, I'd say that, that uh, like, financially, we were, we were in that spot where beans and rice and top ramen, like, we made that cool long before Dave Ramsey probably even knew what those things were. Um, <clears throat> my dad knows how to make some, some good spaghetti that will feed a lot of people because of that. Um, now, you might be thinking that, uh, that because of all that, I, I must have had a horrible childhood or maybe I had a bad home life. It's not uncommon in a family dynamic if there's a lot of that kind of instability going on to, to see that. But 
On the contrary, I, I would say that I had a better childhood than most. We, we may have lacked things, but we always had what we needed. Plus, because of my parents, I was raised knowing what love and commitment looks like in marriage, understanding the importance of family, and with a love for Jesus and his church. So why am I telling you all this? What does it have to do with my alabaster box? Because what I experienced growing up and how I was raised in the midst of it formed my alabaster box. You see, moving the way we did, it made it difficult for me to plant roots, to plant deep roots. I don't have childhood best friends, and I can't take you to the house where I grew up. Uh, If I tried, it would be a long journey, and it would take a lot of time and be really confusing. I actually tried to, like, sit down and think through, like, all the different places we lived, and I lost track. So, Um, but while I lacked many constants growing up, what I did have was church. You see, church was a priority anywhere we moved to. I seem to even remember often knowing what church we would be going to before we even found a home to live in. Um, I, I remember specifically when, when we moved from, from uh, the Denver area to Oregon for the last time, uh, we, we knew where the church we were going to go to because my, my mom's way of, of figuring that out wasn't to go to the Yellow Pages, which was what we had at the time still. Um, Churches weren't really on the internet very well at that point. Um, her way of figuring that out was asking people that we trusted in our church, do you know a church? Do you know people? And that's how we found our home church. Even though at the time my dad had not yet chosen to follow Jesus, there was absolutely no question about the importance of attending and serving in church. Uh, I, I, rem- I remember a few times, like, my, by the way, my dad is, is sold out, saved, loves Jesus. Um, and I'll, get, I'll, I'll try to remember and get to that a little bit later. But um, I remember a handful of times as a kid being sick, you know, because I stayed up too late. And, and my dad was so adamant that, like, for some, he, he some reason knew that it was important that we would go to church, even though he hadn't made that transition yet that there was no way I was, he was going to let me stay in bed and not go to church. Um, through that, my mom, she faithfully, on her own, took all three, eventually five of us kids. I'm the middle. Um, that ex- might explain a lot about me. She would take all of us kids to church literally any time the doors were, were open, and even at times when they were not. Um, you know, church became my constant. No matter where we lived, no matter how long we lived there, no matter the church, being in church was familiar. It, it was the, the familiar thing in my life. I, I didn't understand at the time why it was familiar, but it was. And that familiarity drove me to wanting more. It became the place I wanted to be, not just a place my mom took us to all the time. What I discovered, though, is that what made church so familiar was far more than hearing the same stories told on flannel graphs. If you know, you know. The unique smell of old church buildings or even the Sunday morning routine. The familiarity I sensed was Holy Spirit. 
The thing that I wanted more of was the presence of Jesus. This season of my life formed a desire to not only experience the presence of Jesus, but to wait in it with anticipation. I wanted nothing more than to tarry, and that is still true today. In Exodus 33, we briefly hear about the actions of a young man that resonate with me. Starting in verse 7, it says this, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses went out to the tent that all the people who would arise and stand each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Verse 9, whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would stand and worship, each at the entrance of his own tent. So the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. While brief, this mention of Joshua not leaving the tent, it grabs my attention. Here I see a young man that I can relate to. For the majority of his life, Joshua was on the move, never staying in one place for long. Literally everything about his life was mobile. And he was absolutely no stranger to changing scenery. As he served Moses, though, the tent became Joshua's familiar place. This is the one place that never changed despite where it was assembled. It never changed because the one who dwelled in it is never changing. The tent is where Joshua learned, learned God's voice, learned to listen, and learned to tarry. Learning to tarry fundamentally changed Joshua and it prepared him for the plans God had for him. It was by no mistake that Joshua was, was one, of, one of the only two who trusted, not only heard, but trusted God when he said, this is the promised land. That wasn't by mistake. That was because of the tent. Now, Terry might be an unfamiliar word at least it, it, it's not one that I hear used broadly in the church much anymore. Um, I, grew, I grew up in the Assemblies of God and, and, and very much they were smaller AG churches and we were still pretty like, I'm, honestly, I don't miss those days, but we were pretty old school in some ways. Um, and so I grew up hearing some really cool words that I still just latch onto and Terry's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but for the sake of us all being on the same page, I'm going to give you the dictionary definition of Terry. Terry means to linger or wait in expectation or to abide in or at a place. But let's take it a step further in our relationship with God. When we tarry in relation to God, we are waiting with expectation that he will act and or speak, and we will not move until he does. Isn't it cool how God changes words? <laughs> I just, it's me. Like, yeah, that's for me, sorry. 
I remember many times growing up, going, the, going to the altar time and time again, committed to staying as long as it took, thinking to myself that if I left too soon, I might miss something. I would often be the last one to leave the altar, not because I was trying to be something, but because I didn't want to leave too soon and miss something. I didn't want to miss the move of God just because I left too soon. Now, that idea might have been influenced by a little bit of bad theology or probably more likely a child's misunderstanding of good theology, but it was founded on my desire to know God's voice, listen to it, and witness his manifestation, the manifestation of his presence. Like Joshua in the tent, these experiences taught me the importance of waiting on God, learning how to wait, learning how to wait with expectation. It has formed how I walk with Christ and live my life. Now, I wish that I could tell you today that with all my early life experience, I have not lived really long, but my early life experience that, uh, that I've, I've, I've got, I had it down and, and I've waited patiently on God, trusting his timing and path. The reality, though, is I have grown impatient many times and left the tent. As a result, Meg and I have earned some bumps and bruises along the way. But more importantly, we've, we have learned many lessons about God's faithfulness and his sovereignty as a result. Despite my impatience, he never responded with punishment. Instead, he exampled the very thing he wanted from me in the first place. He was waiting, expecting us to return our focus on him. God's unmatched faithfulness and unwillingness to move on without us has built a stalwart faith in us and a desire to do nothing but tarry. Through all of this, Megan and I have learned a few things about how to tarry. The most important, though, is that staying in the tent is just as much about our attitude as it is about the, act, the actual act of lingering itself. Sometimes we're not able to physically wait in a, in a specific place until a change happens, especially, I think, in our day and age. There's always something moving us along. That's okay, though, because God's presence is not fixed to one location. The same Holy Spirit that we experience here as we gather is the same Holy Spirit that is with us at home, at work, and anywhere we go. If you've been around Heritage a minute, what do we say? Same Holy Spirit. This means that that our ability to wait on God to act and or speak is not limited to a place or time. Instead, staying in the tent becomes a way of life. For Team Brown, one of the ways that we've learned to wait with expectation as a way of life is lists. That might sound funny or maybe like, oh, he's going to give us a formula. That, that's not the deal. Um, 
what I, what I am going to do is I'm going to have Meg come up and share a little bit about um, what, what that looks like for us, why we do it, and, and even a little bit of testimony of how, how God has, has worked in that. So, babe, why don't you? There you go. All right. So those of you who know me even just a little bit, know that faith is my thing. It's my jam. It's what gets me all amped up. And um, one of one of the action steps that I have taken, and it's, gosh, it's it's probably been close to two decades, honestly, um, maybe even longer than that, because I remember writing a list about my husband before I even knew my husband, and here he is right here, everything that's on my list, right here, and then some. <laughs> um but but these lists, I, I was sharing with the staff a couple weeks ago, I think it was, um, and for me, it's it's a way of narrowing and honing my vision so that even when the circumstances are looking bleak, I can refer back to what I'm believing for on my list, and I can be encouraged, and I can speak truth. I can speak my miracle into existence. The Bible says to call that which be not as though it is. Um, and so that's really what my lists are. Um, most recently, Aaron and I have gone through a little bit of a transition with him now being full-time on staff. And I'll get to that in here in just a second. Um, but I, I wrote out a list. I was having a day where I was just feeling beat up and, and things weren't really looking so good financially. And so instead of allowing myself to carry on in that negative mindset, I sat down and I wrote a miracles list and I titled it miracles. And I was very specific because God is a very specific God. He very specifically created you. He very specifically created the planet and the stars and the moon. He he is all about the finest detail. And so when I write my list, I am as detailed as I can possibly be. And in less than 24 hours of writing that list titled Miracles, one of the items that was on it was a second vehicle completely debt-free. And that night, some friends reached out to us and offered us a vehicle completely debt-free. That same day, literally minutes after I had written that list, I text my my preschool son's teacher and I said, hey, I think we're going to need to pull Kaysen out of preschool. We just can't swing it right now. And she texted me back and she said, leave him in school. Don't pay anything for the rest of the year. And so now Kaysen gets to continue with his Christian foundational education, completely debt-free, completely free in general, just free. Um. And so that's a most recent miracle where God came through immediately. There are other times in our lives where we have made lists and those lists we have tarried and contended for, for 10 plus years. Aaron and I are going to be married for 15 years, which is just mind boggling, um, come June. And for at least 10 years, we contended for Aaron to be in full-time vocational ministry. And we, most recently in September, my, my faith took, I, I had to step it up. It wasn't, it wasn't at a, I wasn't at a point where I was still speaking it into existence, but God called me to step up even further in faith where I prayed morning, noon, and night for a week straight. And I fasted for a week, believing that God was going to bring that about. And that was in September. And for those of you who are new or watching online and don't know us, but Aaron was just asked to come on full-time at Heritage in February. And this is, yeah, yeah, God is so good. Good. So good. Um, 
In 2010, though, I went back to school just so that I could get a college education, and that became that became part of my list was a college education so that I I could pay the bills in case Aaron needed to volunteer in full time ministry, whatever it was going to take to get him in full time ministry. I was willing to step out in faith and believe that God was going to get our family there. Plus, I also had a passion for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, so that kind of helped things too. Um, but he it it went on the list, and for gosh, that was 2010. So for over 10 years, we have been standing in faith and believing that God was going to bring that to fruition. And so that's when I say that I narrow my gaze after 10 years, it might seem like it's never going to happen. And I think we actually went through moments where we did feel like it was never going to happen, but it was on that list. And I was believing it. I was declaring it. And I was standing in faith that God was going to provide that need. And let me tell you, we have seen time and time again in our lives, every time we have made a list, God has checked off every single box and then some, and then some. Um, and so I just, I would, I just want to encourage you guys that if you are believing for a healing, if you are believing for a financial miracle, a job, a spouse, a child, if you are believing for a child that has been unsaved for 15, 20, 30 years, let me tell you this, Aaron's parents have been married close to 50 years at this point. And I did the math. They were, they were married in 1977. Aaron and I got married in 2007. So from 19, probably 76, when Aaron's mom met his dad, she prayed. And she declared that her husband was going to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And it took from 1976, probably, clear to 2007 before we saw the results of that. And, and what Aaron said about his dad, he is one of my biggest cheerleaders. That man is... He prays for us probably more than anyone. And he, I, can, I can honestly say that we are who we are because of Aaron's dad. And his grandma too, his grandma. Are you going to get to that? Okay, well, I'll, I'll save that for him. But, but I'm, I'm going to end right here and let Aaron carry on. But if you are believing for something and you just feel like you're beating your head against a wall and you haven't seen the fruition, come talk to me. I am happy to partner with you and declare. I am happy to speak faith. You guys, I'm not even kidding you. I will talk faith until the cows come home. It is my alabaster box. It is what I am about. I'm happy to pray with you. I'm happy to help you make a list, but just come talk to me. Thank you, babe. She stole a little bit of my message, but that's okay. No, I, 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 I briefly, I do want to expand on that a little bit. The thing, the thing for us with lists is it's, we're not formula people. Like, that's not how God works. Um, but in, in our journey of learning how to tarry, one of the, one of the tools, that, that one of the disciplines, that, and discipline's not a bad word, guys. It's a good thing. It's how God forms us. Um, one of the disciplines we've learned is 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 using lists because, like she said, it does it fixes our gaze on on both what God wants and what we're what we're seeking after. Um, and she's right. My my I, I remember growing up like just bawling my eyes out at night praying for my dad to get saved, and it was. I mean, I, I think I was twenty twenty one by the time my dad surrendered his life, and my grandma was the same way. His 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 mom was. Uh, absolutely the most, most atheist atheist I ever knew to the point that she would get upset with me uh, when she'd come in here, the kids choir singing stuff. She'd say something like, you did such a good job. And my, my natural response was, 
God gave me that gift, oh, man, she would get furious with me that I would say that because how dare you give basically some non-existent person credit for, for this gift that you have. Um, but the reality was the result of that long-term just waiting on God to, to work in their lives, the result was two lives completely transformed. I want to say this, that I believe tarrying is so foundational to who we are as the body of Christ that, that the, the very church that we're a part of, the global church, it was birthed as, as a group of Jesus followers waited with expectation until they experienced the move of Holy Spirit. We see this in the beginning of Acts. Verse 4 and 5 of chapter 1 says this, Gathering them together, he commanded them, this is Jesus, not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We see the result of them waiting in chapter 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. We even see that the early church leaders responded to persecution by simply waiting on the Lord. Acts 16, in Acts 16, we see this story of, you know, Paul and, and Silas, they were just doing what God told them to do, and, and they got in trouble for it. And, and the, what they received for it was persecution, but this is how they respond. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. You see, Paul and Silas, I don't think that they went into the prison and necessarily thought to themselves, you know what, how we're going to get out of here is we're going to just, we're just going to pray and we're going to praise. No, their, their natural response was anytime they needed direction, the right thing to do was to just wait on the Lord. The result of that, though, was God moving. And because of their obedience, because of their discipline, an entire jail was freed. A prison guard and his family was set free and changed for eternity. There are many other examples throughout Scripture, but we, we see... Uh, you know, many times where the early church leaders and just the early church in general, they practice this discipline of just waiting with expectation, with no other agenda than just to wait until they heard from God. In our more recent history, the effect of God's people waiting with the expectation God would move has been a catalyst for many Holy Spirit awakenings in the church. These awakenings have fundamentally changed individuals, families, and entire regions. I believe we live in a time and region 
that desperately needs a people of God who will learn how to tarry. The 10,000 that we at Heritage contend and call home will come not as a result of ad campaigns and cool branding, which I love and I geek out on, but it'll come as a result when we get in the tent. And we stay there. We don't leave until we see and hear God for ourselves. This encounter will change how we walk with Jesus and live our lives. I'm going to say that again. This encounter will fundamentally change how we walk with Jesus and live our lives. The result will be the dominion of heaven experienced on earth and lives changed for eternity. Between my experiences plus examples throughout Scripture and what we've seen throughout the modern church history, these things convince me that the one that one of the most spiritually forming disciplines yeah. we can develop in our walk with Jesus Christ is knowing how to tarry. Yeah. This is where we learn to feel him, yeah. hear him, yeah. and see him. As I close... I'd like to share with you three things that have helped me learn how to wait with expectation. Again, I want to say it's not about formulas. But there's a reason that throughout Scripture we see things like the Lord's Prayer and many other situations where we're given an example of how to do things. That's, that is God teaching us disciplines. And those disciplines form us. I pray that these three things I'm going to share with you will have a forming effect on your walk with Jesus and your life as they did for me and my family. The first one, I'm going to kind of contradict myself a little bit, but, but it'll make sense in a second. The first thing we need to do, and these are in order, is that the altar's a good place to start. Yeah, it's true that God... We can hear and, and, and feel and know God away from this place. But the altar is where we encounter him for the first time. It's where we set aside time to wait on the Lord, where the only agenda is to lean into his presence and where we learn to recognize his presence. If, you, if you're hearing that thinking, I need that, come tonight. Second thing is studying your Bible is a must. The Bible is how we get to know God's character, the way he speaks, and how we learn to recognize his voice. The last thing, and I think one of the most important things, is don't be in a rush. We live in a society where Going too slow is a bad thing, right? We, we, man, I get irritated if my phone slows down. <laughs> but the reality is, it's easier to feel his presence, hear his voice, and see him at work when we're not in a hurry. 
I think that it's very likely that if Joshua had chosen to rush out and follow Moses back to the camp rather than to stay in the tent, it may have completely changed his ability and sensitivity to hear God's voice. It was in the tent that Joshua, he was fortunate. He got to see God, hear his voice, hear how he talked. And so because of that throughout battle and all the different situations and things he faced throughout his life, he had a confidence in trusting God. The way that we do that is by getting to the altar, being in the word and not rushing. Church, would you stand with me? I just, I I, want to pray over you as as we close. Um, but also, uh, if, if, you're, if something in the message resonates with you, maybe there's something you've been contending for. Maybe, 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 you've, maybe this, you get this discipline, but you're at a place where you feel like you've been banging your head against the wall. We're here. We want to pray with you and encourage you in that. Maybe, maybe you're in a place where, where this resonates with you that, man, this is what I'm missing in, in my walk with God. Then I... I encourage you. We're happy to pray with you for that as well. But I, I really want to encourage you, come to the altar. Yeah. Take some time with God this morning to just hear his voice and don't rush yourself. Lord, we thank you that you are you are good to us. We, we thank you for your word, that because of your word that's living and breathing, we can learn and understand you and we can know your voice and we can draw closer to you because of it. Lord, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would help us to stay in the tent, that you would help us to find that place where we can, can be alone with you, help us to not have agendas, help us to not rush our way through our time with you, God. Give us that same just stubbornness to not move until we hear you and see you move, God. Lord, we praise you. We adore you, God, and we thank you for your goodness. In your name, Jesus, amen. 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 Would you tell Team Brown thanks so much?
These altars are open, and we're happy to pray with and for you for blessing, for breakthrough, or just to wait with you in the presence of the Lord. But may the Lord bless you. May his hand be upon you for good. Have a fantastic day. We hope to see you again this evening. God bless you. You sure can be dismissed. Otherwise, if you'd like prayer, come on, let's pray together.